Welcome to Japan according to Akio. Everything you wanted to know or didn't think you needed to know about Japan. With me, your host Akio, living in Japan since 2004 and giving you the lowdown on what it's like to live in and around Tokyo. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 82. I think it's 82. I, what am I doing? I'm just like totally forgetting the episode numbers recently. This is a travesty. The season is not even 82, it's 83. What am I doing? Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's、uh, 80, episode 83. Pretty good one. I talk about like a life threatening situation I had in Okinawa on my trip and,、uh, you know, another.、Um, Crazy way I ended my trip, and then we wrap things up with a,、um, a story about you know some the ways like corporate structure in Japan can backfire. So, the main thing is just the wacky story about、uh, how I started my trip to Okinawa.、Uh, you might find it funny, or you, you might just be entertaining to listen to. I get a chuckle out of it. I didn't get a chuckle out of it when I was going through it, but I got a chuckle out of it. I get a chuckle out of it in hindsight. So give it a listen and enjoy the podcast. Yo, yo, yo. What's up? Welcome back. We are back with another episode. This is episode 83. I'm checking my phone to make sure that I get the episode number right.、Um, I believe this is 83. Yeah, we are. Recently, I've been. Pretty bad at the episode numbers, but we are here for another edition of the podcast. I'm happy to be back from my trip to Okinawa.、Um, it was an interesting trip. <laughs> I have a, you know, a story, a tale or two to tell about it. That's probably going to be the majority of the podcast. I got a couple of、um, news articles、uh, that I stockpiled before my trip, but. Mainly, it's going to be story time, people. <laughs>、uh, and then I'm going to get out of here. Again, I, ar- I arrived back、uh, early this morning. It's nighttime now, Sunday night. So、uh, I've been resting most of the day, but I'm still a little bit loopy and I got work tomorrow. So again, I'm going to try my best to limit the timing here. I, got, I have to get caught up on a lot of other stuff. So.、Um, And still upload、uh, or record some other audio for you know, my other、uh, content. So I'm gonna try and keep it somewhat limited tonight. But I know if you've been a long time listener, you're itching, maybe itching, maybe not, sorry,、um, maybe itching, maybe not, to hear what happened on my trip.、Um, it was a, well, first off, I'll give you the good. It was an amazing trip. You know, in terms of me being a family man, my first trip, th- my second trip there, first trip as a father,、um, you know, able to take my son into the ocean and hold him in my arms in, you know, the, the, the crystal clear waters of the Okinawan Sea. <laughs> nah, it was really nice. And、um, after freaking out in the beginning, like we went, we were able to go to the beach like twice.、Um, I, was, I was able to stay again at.、Um, A house uh, where it has been in my wife's family for some for generations.、Uh, so, right next to the beach, like right on the shoreline, it's turned into like prime beach real estate. And we were boom right there. People were walking past, like, hey, what's that house? And we were like, we'll, we'll be up in this thing. You know,、um, it was a really, really great location. And walked down to the beach, like five minutes to the beach. And, um, uh, Yeah, take my, you know, this nice little 
cove, if you will, would take my son there. And at first he was like, what the fuck? You know, but we had some, I went to Costco. I got some good uh, life preserver on him. And finally, when I got him strapped into that thing and, and settled, settled in and distracted by playing with him in the water where he was having fun, you know, he was great. It was great. And so that was the fun part. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you, the, the main event, the main story, the main thing that happened was um, a bit crazy because, like, this house, you know, is, like, the main character in my time there because, um, you know, it, it, of course, no one lives there full time. So uh, in summer, the house is tatami. And if you heard me talk a little bit about tatami, you know it's a um, mm, straw mat. Uh, straw mat flooring. The easiest reference, if you've seen the the movie The Matrix, which, depending on how old you are, you know, you might know The Matrix. You should. I hope so. But um, in that movie, there's a fight between, the first fight between Neo and Morpheus in The Matrix, where they're doing the, you know, come martial arts and stuff like that. Uh, the room that they're fighting in is a tatami mat room and, you know, has these straw, just type in tatami, T-A-T-A-M-I, again, T-A-T-A-M-I. Um, and, you know, it's just like, um, I'm looking at some right now. It's, it's just a straw flooring, interwoven tightly, very good. Um, I'll tell you something about it. One thing I had to learn about it as well. It's a very delicate flooring, but it breathes, which is really interesting. So, uh, in summertime, it helps keep the floor cooler, and in wintertime, it helps keep it warmer. Uh, also, if you have a futon, one th- I, I can't remember if I talked about this shit before. I believe I talked about tatami before, but one of the first guest house, I'll just retract some stuff, um, give you an abbreviated version of it if I did talk about this before. Um, my guest house from before, in like I think 2005, I'm going way back, that I lived in. I had a tatami mat flooring, and I, I learned the, some good and some bad from my experience there. Um, the good was, you know, if the, you have a futon, again, if you, if you have a futon, like you spread it on the floor, you're going to need, you know, flooring, you're going to need to change the position of that futon, like, or hang it out quite a bit because it gets, I mean, quite a bit mean like daily, you know, or at least twice a day because it gets pretty funky under there really fast. So you have, you know, I mean, funky meaning moldy you know, meaning dangerous. Um, on the previous podcast, I talked about trash disposal. That was one of the reasons why I had to, you know, in the intro, if you listen carefully, I talked about, you know, cutting up a futon before and shoving it in trash bags. That's one of the reasons why I had to do that because I had a futon on flooring and I didn't, like, check underneath it. And then in the middle of summer one time, like, after a couple of weeks, like, you know, it was under a rack which kept it off the ground, but after a couple of weeks of not... I think a week or two of not checking it, I looked under there and like, whoopsie, it was, it was moldy, you know, and so I had to get rid of the motherfucker, so it was so daigomi, again, listen to episode 82 if you don't know what I'm talking about, and uh, I had to like, they wouldn't take it, so I had to like just say, fuck it, let me just cut it up, you know, I spent like, I forgot, like an hour hacking up this futon, like a, like it was a dead body or something, <laughs> and shoving it into trash bags, and they took it away. But um, but I digress. So um, about tatami, like is is again, it's a great 
flooring. A futon on tatami, my experience, you don't have to really worry about that. I've I had a futon, like a little mattress kind of thing. I've kept, I kept that out for like weeks at a time in the same position. I was a little bit paranoid from my previous moldy futon experience, but it was always all good. Like, you know, I just like look under there every now and then and it would be totally fine the whole time I was there. So that's one of the benefits of, of having like a tatami mat flooring. However, one of one of the things that I had to learn was um, I had a computer chair. And so I had my computer chair on directly on the tatami and I'm just rolling this thing around. If you have like, if you're dragging stuff along the surface of tatami, it breaks up really easily and it becomes a fucking mess, right? And it needs to be replaced. And if you're living in a guest house, you're not going to be the one doing it. So like, you know, you can lie down on tatami. It's great to just like lie down and take a nap on. But like, if it gets all messed up, it gets all, it's like, it's like rolling around in hay. It gets all over the place. It's fucking uncomfortable to sit on and shit. Like, it, so, so that's what happened with mine under my computer chair. Cause I was just like rolling around in it for like a few months. And I realized like the flooring's getting kind of fucked up over here. So I had to get like a little mat to put underneath it. And it was just a mess. So don't put, if you do get, find yourself sleeping in a room with tatami, do not put anything, don't roll or drag anything over it, anything heavy over it. Like, you know, don't move and move, be moving around furniture or chairs or anything like that. Like, pick stuff up and move it from point A to point B. You can't just, like, wheel stuff around on that surface. It will destroy the sanctity of tatami. But anyway, um, back to Okinawa. Sorry, I'm drinking some wine, by the way. Not the best wine, but, you know, it'll get the job done. Mm. Mm. So, um, so yeah, this place was tatami. And one thing about tatami as well, like, dani, which is, uh, it's just like mites, right, that get in there. Um, so this place, dani, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, mites, let's just call them mites. They're not ticks per se, but let's say mites. Um, so, cause you know, ticks you can see, but these you can't see. So they're kind of like mites that, that get in there, especially in summertime, hot weather, if you don't vacuum or, or air the place out or something like that on a regular basis. And this place wasn't, wasn't really used for a while. So my wife's relative was like, Hey, I think he visited there or something. He was like, there's a lot of Donnie in there. Like it's kind of, you know, fucked up. He, you know, they bit him all up. It was, you know, and my son was going there. So like, you got to fumigate the place, right? You got to just drop a fucking fumigation bomb in there. And I'm, I'm guessing like in Okinawa, this is, this issue is kind of like more common because there was a lot of like Donny related shit in the supermarkets and stuff over there. So I'm guessing like that, that's something because of the weather or I don't know why, like I, I've heard of Dani, and I, but I've never really had an ex like living in the Tokyo area. I've never had lived in a place that had a lot of had a lot of them, or where you know stuff like that. And, and that's Dani is the reason why you'll see people hanging out their futons like in Japan a lot, like you know um, because they I don't know where the fuck they come from, but they'll just get in a futon, they'll get in the tatami, and then they'll just bite your ass all up if you don't hang your futon out. At least I think uh, thirty minutes is what I've heard. Um, 30 minutes at a time uh, in direct sunlight kills them all and keeps, you know, them from fucking you up, right? So, yeah, this again, this place, it was, you know, dark, closed windows. 
there were a bunch of them there, so we had to fumigate the fucking place, right? <laughs> so, so this is what happened, right? So, um, where I almost fucking die, not literally, but like it was, it was pretty crazy. So, um, the the house has like a security system, like it's this big company. There's a few big com- security companies here in Japan. Uh, one is Seccom, one is like Alex or some shit like that. I don't know. Seccom is like the most famous, right? So they had Seccom and, um, you know, security alarm system. So we go in there, disable the alarm, whatever. My wife does it because, you know, I don't really know how to do the shit. And we, you know, we, we scan the per- the area. My son's trying to run around. We're like, okay, just just come here. Like, don't really get too comfortable here because we got to drop this fucking, like, we got to fumigate this bitch, <laughs> you know, and get the fuck out of here. So we set everything up and, we, you know, it's like two hours fumigation and, and I think we go eat and we came back. Now, when we come back, um, you know, my wife, my son, I'm like, okay, I'm like, it's, it's, you know, I've never fumigated a place before, but I've seen like on TV enough to know that there's a bunch of smoke, you know, inside the place. We covered the smoke alarms and stuff. And, um, yeah, so it, it was not the place, you know, if anyone, of course, being the man, being being the husband, being the father, if anyone was going to have to go in there and, you know, open up all the windows and let the shit air out, it was going to it's gonna be me. It's not going to be my son. It's not going to be my wife. It's going to be me. Right. So I'm like, OK. So let let's um let's do it this way. Let me um you know, you guys wait in the car, you know, you guys they'll be all comfortable. I'll just run in there, you know, cover my mouth and then just open the window, whatever. So my wife was like, Oh yeah, the alarm, remember just there's a little key thing. I don't know. She was like, just shove it in the thing and the slot and then, you know, that's it. So mm. So <laughs> okay, so here's what happened. So I go in there, you know, I open up the door and the alarm kind of goes off and, you know, I, I got like a handkerchief over my mouth and I'm not, I'm holding my breath, you know, cause I can just, it's not like, it wasn't like smoke how I thought, like smoke, smoke, you know, but it's clearly like a mist that you can see. So I'm like, okay, I got like a limited amount of breath, right? So I fucking run in there, there's the alarm things by the door, I jam it, the little key thing in the, in the alarm. And I thought I disabled it, and it said something in Japanese. But I'm, but, you know, I'm holding my breath, and I'm trying to get to the window. So I start open up a window, and then I'm like, yeah. I run back outside, you know, because I'm like, oh, my breath doesn't laugh it lasts as long as I thought it would. So I run back outside, and uh, then I hear the alarm start like beeping a little bit. I'm like, oh shit, I didn't do it the right way. So, you know, take a quick breath and run back in the doorway and do it again, and and it disables the alarm. I'm like, all right, cool. And by the beforehand, my wife kind of told the people that we were going to be doing this, so they knew. Um... Well, we found out later that basically they were saying I didn't, we didn't need to like arm the alarm again. Like, you know, we just leave it the shit fine, but, but, you know, whatever. Hindsight's 2020. So I run back in the house, you know, uh, disarm the alarm, run back outside, take another deep breath, run back in to go for it. I mean, this place has a lot of windows, by the way, too. It's maybe like, well, let me just count one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. About like nine windows. I'm gonna open like big windows. I'm gonna open some with like double locks and shit. I'm gonna unlock. I'm like trying to unlock, right? 
So I'm like, run, I run in and out. I think my third trip inside, like I'm trying, I'm like running deeper inside the house, like getting into, you know, some of the um, more interior windows. The phone rings, right? And mind you, I'm holding my breath because this place is full. And I got like a handkerchief to my face. I'm just like, oh shit, like, you know. So the phone rings. I'm like, fuck, I know it's a security company, right? So. <laughs> the phone's by the Genkan, which is by the doorway, again, So, uh, which is also near the fucking shit. So I'm like, okay, so I um, so I run, I answer the phone, mm. and then, like, the guy starts talking to me in, like, you know, really polite Japanese, and I'm like, oh, shit. I've never been, and I realize, like, I'm starting to panic because I'm like, I've never been in this type of situation. I'm holding my breath. I actually don't know what to say to this guy, you know, because you know, how do I explain, like, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm not sure if I, like, hit the alarm the correct way, but it's not me, it's, you know, my wife is in the car, <laughs> but there's a bunch of, like, smog in here, so I gotta get the fuck out of here. I really didn't know how to say that in Japanese, and I'm still panicking because I'm holding my, I'm almost out of breath, so, like, the dude's kind of talking, and he's like, oh, is everything all right? And I'm like, I, I'm like, okay, fine, fuck it. So I just like, yeah, um, uh, uh, my wife is in the in the, and like, cause I'm stumbling, I'm panicking, and I don't know how to really say that in Japanese, you know, cause I've just never been in that situation before. So <laughs> I'm just like, Kuruma, Oksan, Kimuri ga, sugoi. And I take, a, I couldn't help, I take a deep breath and. I fucking coughed so hard. Like, I was talking about the fire before and smog and smoke. Like, I got, afterwards, I got respect for those, you know, I got to say RIP to those people who died in smoke because, like, I was like, <coughs> and I'm trying to talk to this guy. He's like, He's like, are you okay? And I'm like, <coughs> I'm, I'm just like, fuck like you you know like i'm officially fucked you know and so the the phone is like this old school phone too with it's not like it's like a corded like rotary phone so i'm like shit shit you know so i'm like i'm about to fucking start choking so I try and grab the phone. I'm like close to the door, so I try and grab the phone and run out the door. Like I'm like maybe the fork, the phone can, <laughs> the cord can stretch it, and I could talk to this dude outside, like with my head outside, and like let him know what's going on. <laughs> so I like you know grab the phone, run outside, and the phone like yoink. <laughs> of course I don't make it. <laughs> I'm like shit, and I'm still like, <laughs> and, you know, I'm just like I'm just like, and the guy's like, are you okay? He's like talking to me like hey. I'm just like, fuck it. I just try to hang the phone up. But I don't, I'm so, like, at this point, I'm out of breath and I'm coughing. So I try hanging the phone up, but I can't hang it up properly. So it's off the hook. And I know the guy's just, and I'm just coughing up a lung, you know, like, and I just know, like, the guy's listening to me. And he probably thinks I'm, like, dead, passed out on the floor or something. But I'm just like, fuck it. So I just run outside. You know, and I'm outside just like, <laughs> like coughing up a lung, just like fucking hell. You know, and I, I go outside and I, I kind of like go on the other side of it's like a sliding door. So I go away from where the smoke is coming out, you know, so I can kind of, 
when I'm inside, I can't see it, but then I see how much smoke is coming out, and I'm just like, because it's a big place, so we had to use three of those little fumigation bombs, and I was just like, that's not healthy <laughs> to breathe that in. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, fuck. So I'm still coughing. So I just got to run out and tell my wife, like, look, you got to call the security company. They call. They, I heard that they called back. Of course, they called back. Did they call back? Yeah, they called back a second time. The guy, you know, I go back in quickly, hang up the phone, open up another window, you know, and then the phone rings again. And I'm like, fuck. So I go back in, you know, my lungs are still burning. My throat's still burning. Um, I try and pick up the phone. The dude hangs up. And I'm like, I just, I, I imagine like the police, you know, I'm sorry, I'm a black dude in Okinawa. I'm like, like you know, looks like I'm break, I'm from America. I'm like, looks like I'm breaking into his house. I'm like, shit, the security's coming, police is coming. Fuck, I gotta call my wife, like call him off, like you know, cause shit doesn't look good for me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, this is America. I'm fucked, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, I run back into the car and I'm like, tell my wife, I'm like, hey, call the security company, tell them, like, <laughs> you know, just like tell them. She's like, oh my god, what happened to you? I'm just like, just yeah, I explain what happened, and she's like, okay, I'll call them. And so, um, I go back and open up everything. And after a few minutes, like, you know, the smoke clears. I go back and check on my wife, and she's like, yeah, they, you know, I told them what happened. They might send a security guy to check on us, like, whatever, whatever. So, um, after, you know, after I clo- open everything up and the smoke clears, I got a vacuum because it's like, you know, all this shit in there. So, I got to vacuum up the, the dust, all the, the poison dust <laughs> that's all over the floor. So all over the tatami. So I'm in the middle of that. The guy comes, you know, the security guy comes. And I'm just like, oh, okay, hey. And I'm just like, he's like, okay, you know. And of course, not, you know, friendly dude. Not like, get on the, he's not like pulling out his gun, like get on the ground or anything. Because I'm like sitting there vacuuming shit with the door. I'm like, oh, yeah, my wife's over there. I'm like, come on. And so at first he's like, you know, again, I, even me, I don't really know how to explain that I've never been in like a security type situation in Japan, so I don't really know how to explain myself. You know, I could just be like, "Look, my wife's over there. Like, she's in the car with my son. Just come on, I'll show you where she is." But once he sees my wife, like you know, and he talks to her, it was cool. And they were more worried about me, I guess. Like they didn't want like a lawsuit or anything. They wanted to make sure I didn't, you know, because my wife was like, "Yeah, they were like." about to call the ambulance for you because the guy listened to you on the phone and he was, like, worried about you. He thought you were dying. And they're, like, you know, asking me a bunch of times, are you fine? I'm, like, my lungs were hurting for, like, a, like five minutes. You know, my throat was, like, sore, sore for, like, five minutes. So I sat in the car and my wife went in with the guy and checked everything. And after that, it was cool. But, but I, yeah, that first few minutes when I was in the house, I was like, oh, shit got real, like, for me. And, you know, looking back on it, we, we laughed after everything got settled in and stuff like that. But but those, it was no joke for those first few minutes, though. Mm. Um, so that was that. The end of my trip, though, um, I'll tell you really quickly. Fuck Skymark Airlines. Fuck them. I'm putting this out here. If you, uh, my recommendation, if you're flying anywhere in Japan, 
avoid Skymark Airlines. That's all I got to say about that. And I'll tell you my second quick story. Hold on, let me get let me get some more wine before I start ranting about this shit. Hold on, one second. Let me pause everything, and I'll be right back. Okay, okay. So yeah, so just very quickly, what happened was um, on our way back here, when we were planning our trip, um, like the place we stayed was like away from the city in of Okinawa. The city in Okinawa is like the southern part of the island. More, the more northern you get, the more rural it gets, like the more resorty it gets and shit like that. So I rented the car, of course. I, of course, I drove. Um, but in the beginning, like I th- we planned to like uh, get our tickets. We found this cheap flight which flew out at 2 a.m. And so it was thinking or the thought was like, OK, you know, we can from the area we were, we can stay there and chill until late at night. My son sleep. Drive, drop off the rental car late at night, uh, you know, head to the airport, you know, he'll be asleep in the car. My wife will probably be asleep in the car, too. I'll just rest before we leave, you know, then drive a couple of hours, um, you know, get to the airport, check in, fly, sleep on the airplane, arrive back here. We have all day Sunday, depending on how we feel, if we need to rest or recover or whatever, whatever, you know, and then boom, start fresh on Monday. So that was the plan, but that shit went to fucking hell because (laughs) first off, we booked the flight first, then we found out because, you know, it's it's summer, it's summer holiday season. So the prices were going up day by day. So we just like, fuck it. We just got to choose a flight and book it. So we just booked that one. Then come to find out the, when we got around to the rental car, which, you you know, uh, found out that the rental car place is closed at 8 o'clock. And we fly out at 2 a.m. So it's like, oh, so we have to drop off our rental car at like 7 something. So we got like about six, seven hours to kill. You know? <laughs> so so um, get back, you know, get our shit dropped off, get some dinner, whatever, whatever. Come back to the airport. You know, my son gets him settled down at like about eleven thirty. It's like okay, we talked to the guy before my because at first we were thinking like maybe we'll go to um, a karaoke place and crash there for a little while. We were like, yeah, we kind of made a mistake. We, you know, we should just went with a, a different flight. But well, hey, we learned a lesson. Cool. So my wife talks to the, in Japanese. My wife talks to the guy at the airport. You know, Naha Airport, and um, he's like, yeah. Okay, you're on that flight. Some parts of the airline close, but, you know, you'll be able to just stay here and chill and whatever, whatever. So we, we get settled down into a place, and around midnight, like 11.30, just like 10 minutes after my son goes to sleep. You know, he's already been awake all the way past his bedtime. You know, he's just running around all crazy. Um, we finally get him settled in, sleeping. You know, he's comfortable. we like, okay, we're, we're kind of settled in. We got like a couple more hours before we check in. We'll be all right. The guy comes, the security guy comes along and is like, sorry, we're closing the whole fucking airport. Like, and we're like, what? Like, check-ins at 1. So, yeah, from midnight to 1, the airport closes. So everyone who is still in the airport had to go wait outside of the fucking airport. You know, um, it was like 30-something degrees. Luckily, there was a breeze, but it was still hot. Um, so luckily, we were we were able to get like a little baby seat for my son put his sleeping ass in there and wheel him in a corner basically and just like you know he's just knocked out outside we're just sitting there just like fuck this you know 
But it's crazy because, you know, it seems like the airport people didn't know what the airline company was doing and the airline company wasn't, they weren't on the same page. And, you know, it was partly our fault too for booking that time. But we, you know, if we would have known that was going to be a factor when we were booking, we never would have booked that flight. Um, And so, like, yeah, so basically we just had to wait outside. Like, it was, like, 50 people waiting outside the, the air pre- airline door for, like, an hour, you know, like, sleeping on the ground, basically laying down on the ground, you know, just, like, waiting for for no... It, it was crazy, you know. Um, and then we get there and we check in and we fly out at, like, 2.50 and get back here. But, but yeah, I, I personally... I, I was just surprised, like, the lack of planning for Skymark Airlines just as you know to it was just one hour you know and the airline the airport information people seemed like they didn't know what was going on this this the skymark people like they plan i don't know what the fuck they were thinking about planning it that way so um it just made no sense you know and so i'm gonna take when i when i have some time send a strongly worded email to them and my wife and i were just like they lost our businesses because of that so you know anyone who's listening here i encourage you not to fly with them either you do what you want to do but i'm not flying with them anymore just off the strength of that bullshit and you know if hearing my story sways you one way or the other go with another airline you know, I've always, my wife and I were like, we're taking Anna, Ameri- all Nippon Airlines. That's like the best flying experience I've had so far in Japan. And that's what I would encourage you to go spend your money with if you have a choice. So um, that's that. All right. So that's kind of all the things I got for you from my trip to Okinawa. But but don't let that last story fool you. I had, we had a great time. It, it was amazing. I'm happy to be back, though. Um, it's been a busy, just before the trip and, you know, there as well, a busy time. I'm still kind of physically recovering from it, but, you know, I gotta get things back in gear. Um, just a quick note, note, not of procrastinating, like on another piece of content that I was supposed to put out, I failed to record something like one or two nights before I left, which cost me like a week worth of content because, Nah, whatever. That, that's a whole nother story. But basically, yeah, if you have something to do, just do it now is, is what I can recommend you. But because after recording the last podcast, I was tired and I didn't record something the night before we left. Like, you know, I had enough time to edit audio and upload, but I didn't have time to record that thing. So the week, the whole time I was gone, I didn't upload. I wasn't able to up schedule or upload anything onto YouTube. So the lesson I learned is if you have to, something to do, just do it right away. So, I mean, it's not a big thing. So so tonight, after I get off here, I got to um, record what I didn't record before I left and, and get all that stuff done. So I encourage you, you know, it's, I try, I've tried to stamp out procrastination in my life as much as possible. But sometimes those small kind of things do make a big difference. So I encourage you, if you got something to do, do it now. All right. Um. Very quickly, ooh, this is kind of a bigger topic than I wanted to talk about, but fuck. So, all right, um, I got two articles. I'm going to give you one. I'm going to give you one. So, something interesting happened, I think, in the past few days here in Japan. And it's an article from, I think, uh, Japan Times. And what it is, is Japan's 7i to scrap 7pay smartphone payment service after users hacked. 
Once again, Japan's seven denied to scrap seven pay smartphone payment service after users hacked. And when we were in Okinawa, me and my wife were talking about this quite a bit. Um, it's, it's a bigger story, but basically Japan is moving strongly. Again, the atmosphere, the, 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 the mood of Japan is very important. It's like a wave. It's like a tide. So basically what, the, what I mean by that, the fwinky, if you will, um, what I mean by that is uh, when, you know, the change kind of comes in Japan suddenly or it doesn't come at all. And what, what it means by that is like, you know, in the in Western culture, we're more individual based. So one person with a plan, with a vision, with the action can just say, boom, I'm going this way and they'll do it. Right. In Japan, it's a little bit different. Nobody wants to be first here. So when change kind of happens, it kind of builds within the crowd. And then like like a group of gazelle running from a lion that's spotted darting out of the bushes. Once, you know, something breaks, everyone breaks the same direction and kind of goes with it. It's kind of like that. So, um, that's kind of, so the trends and things like that will come out of nowhere. You, you've heard me talk previously about the, the one, you know, case study about this, that which I learned this lesson was again, the iPhone where, you know, I believe 2010, everyone was on their Gala K flip phones. And in 2011, once the iPhone four dropped and there was this really big push by Apple, the atmosphere, the mood changed in Japan and the age of smartphones started in an instant in Japan and Apple got like 50% market share, you know, of the smartphone market here. Like if you got, if you have any other phone besides an iPhone, you're kind of like a little bit weird, not weird, weird, but it's kind of like, okay, you got, what are you, what are you, what are you using? You know? Um, so so yeah, so the the same thing happened with cashless uh, payments in Japan. Japan is a very cash oriented society. Even me, like I carry so much more cash here in Japan than I do in America. Again, you you wouldn't you will not be surprised to see people taking out thousands of the equivalent of thousands of U.S. dollars from the bank, walking people with money walking around with you know a thousand dollars in cash. Again, I'm talking U.S. denominated dollars terms. Thousands of dollars in cash, hundreds of dollars in cash, anything less than a hundred dollars in cash is people are kind of like become a little bit nervous here in Japan, actually. So you know, yeah, if it's kind of funny like that, like you know, rich people do literally walk around with like ten thousand dollars in their pockets, like in their purses, like just on a daily basis. That does happen. Um. Which is completely inconvenient for banks and the government, you know, because personally, I think they want to encourage people to use and spend their money as much as they can. And, you know, if you have a lot of cash, you're more than likely going to stash it under a pillow in your house or somewhere. But cash is just makes it well, it's easier to track transactions and see where the money's going, where it's coming from, which makes it easier to tax people. Right. This is how I see it going. Also, the fees and things associated with banks keeping ATM machines and stuff like that. Banks are under a lot of pressure here. It goes kind of deep. So I don't know the exact reason why they're pushing it. I don't think it's because to make Japan a bit more friendly. I think it's a, a few other reasons underneath the surface. But anyway, they're pushing for this system. So out of nowhere, this this past month, like so many convenience stores and, and other different you know organizations have just been rolling out their cashless shit. This is like last month. It was like the debut of cashless for like 
five, six different companies. It was crazy. And Seven and I, Seven Seven Eleven, was one of them. But what happened was their security. They in their push to get everything out on time, they didn't really focus on security. And so a loophole to their hack to their to their system was found. A bunch of you know transactions, illicit transactions were made. They put a stop to the thing. And last last week or a few days ago, they announced that they're just putting a kibosh on the whole thing. They're just like fuck it. And again, this kind of shows the the weakness in the the top down approach to Japanese corporate structure, where the people who are really pushing for and making decisions on this program. I mean, my wife and I we were talking about it. May on this initiative are people who know nothing about IT and know nothing about security. So they're just like, yo, get it done, get it done, get it done. Probably we're like, get it done, get it done, get it done. To the people and the people in like, hey, we need some more security. We need some more time to get the security system done and get these backups. And, and the people who know nothing like, I don't know, fuck all that. Just get it done, you know. And they're like, okay, fine, we'll get it out there. We, you know, they're like, we need it done by this date. Um, it'll take us longer to do a, a proper security check. We need it done that by this date, meaning fuck all that shit. All right, cool. Like, you know, I work for you. I, I'm, I'm following orders. And they didn't do it properly, and that's the result. And so now all of the money, all of the time, all of the brand equity taken, you know, for this big initiative has just been chucked out the window. And that's what kind of happens sometimes. Like, you know, they throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, sometimes in Japan because that all or nothing kind of approach. And you don't really have, and especially in a lot of these big companies, you got a person at the top, you know, their opinion, their decisions can't be challenged until they fuck something up, right? So if they, the person that fucks something up, they just got a deep bow, apologize, and then they're punished. But before then, they get complete free reign to do say and do whatever the fuck they want. So the person, for example, who's in charge of IT underneath that person doesn't have the authority to say, hold on, dude, um, we need a little bit more time. I know you want to get it done, but it's going to be a big problem if we get to roll this out too early. They can't say shit. They just got to swallow that. Take it up the pooper. I think it's the second time I said that. <laughs> <laughs> but they just gotta take it up, you know. They just gotta take it, and then, and 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 this is the result. I think I we were watching part of the press conference. I think they were asking the one of the reporters like asked the dude like, "So you didn't think about having two levels of security?" And the guy was like, two levels." Uh, he, he was just lost by the question completely. And you know what that means is. Again, the person with the final decision power knows nothing about what they're doing. They just know that we need to get this done. And so and sometimes it works well in Japan because it can really mobilize the effort of an organization to one singular goal. But on the other hand, when it doesn't work, especially with these larger companies, you're just kind of like herding the lemming. You know, you're like, come on this way, and you're herding the lemmings off the cliff, right? My personal opinion is that these big, larger, bloated companies, not necessarily 7-Eleven in particular, but this situation is, I think, an indicator of a larger underlying issue that will get resolved, I think, nat through the natural process of evolution, which you've heard me talk about before. I won't go into it in too much detail again. But basically what I mean by that is that in time, a lot of these like overly bl these bloated, out-of-date, out-of-touch organizations with people at the top who are like that will get weeded out in the future when something comes around. So 
don't know. That was a really interesting story. Check out the article uh, if you have time. And I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Because, like I said, I got a bunch of shit to do tonight. Um, and the, ni- the night's not too young. It's like... Sorry, it's like almost 11.30, 11, a little bit past 11.30. I still want to get some stuff done within the next hour or so. So, all right, y'all, uh, good, to, good to be back. I'm glad I was able to get this podcast out, you know, on its regular, regularly scheduled time. So thanks for listening, and I'll holler at you later. All right, y'all, peace. <laughs>